Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life transformation and human design coach who supports others on their own personal growth journeys. This show is all about rediscovering and reinventing who we are, and we are going to talk about it all. From wellness, spirituality, self-empowerment, energy, self-realization, sobriety, mental health awareness, literally anything that can help us along on our own self-project journeys. So let's dive right in. All right, I want to welcome to the show Genesis Amaris Kemp, and she's here to talk with us. She's all about self-development, self-care, and taking ownership of your life and your career, rising above limitations. She is also the author of Chocolate Drop and Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace, which she's going to talk more with us about today, which I'm really excited for. And she helps others just by sharing her personal testimony and challenging them to share their stories and think outside the box. And she teaches and educates others on what inclusion and diversity looks like. So I'm really excited for this important conversation. And Genesis, I want to turn it over to you. Do you mind sharing more of your story with us and um, how it ties into your book and just all the good stuff? Awesome. Thank you so much, Christy, for having me on your show. I'm super excited to be here and to unpack uh, more details about the book. So Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace, was released in May. So May 27th to be exact. Didn't really know I had a book inside of me. I actually birthed the book out of frustration after hearing um, no, after going through certain limitations that this particular company had placed on me. Um, This is my third team. Yeah, third team that I've been on where I've been the only Black or African American per se, or like I like to call myself chocolate drop. So I've um, been slighted a lot. I've been left out. I've had people talk about things right in front of me that were in the forms of microaggression, not even like realizing, oh, how would she feel, you know? Mm -hmm. And whenever I wrote the book, it started with three sentences, to be honest. It was one day after I received my performance feedback, my supervisor was telling me one thing that was obviously contradictory to what my peer reviews and evaluations were. And I'm like, okay, you're telling me I need to work on on these things. But in my peer reviews, I said, oh, she exceeds expectations. Like she's doing a good job with the um, distributors and all of that. And by the point, by the time she gave me that information, it was too late to go back and change it because where I work, we have forced ranking. So there's only a certain number of people that could be A's, only a certain number of people that could be B's. Mm -hmm. And then whenever you move over into the professional bucket, you're ranked in quartiles. So at this time, I was doing the work of a professional, but the company was paying me as an administrative assistant. And I've been with the company for seven years now. I started there in 2013 as an administrative assistant. 
not only did I come in with a different like degree that I was studying, but I changed my entire degree plan to fit the company and they started to pay tuition reimbursement. But then once I got my degree in December of 2016, it was like another hoop and barrier that I had to jump through in order to, you know, get slotted into a professional role. Once I got slotted into a professional role, I had to drive an hour and a half to two hours one way to work. I paid tolls. It was a lot of wear and tear on my car. So I was spending more money than I was making because by that point, they were still paying me as an administrative assistant. So I tell people like whenever you're going through something like don't lash out. So my way to cope with it was to write whether it was to write Mm -hmm. those three little sentences, chocolate drop in in corporate America. That was part of my self-care because it was like what I was doing for myself to release the anger and all the mixed emotions that I felt versus like, you know, just exploding at work. And then, of course, they'll label you as something else. So. Um, after that, that incident happened, I went to a group here at a local church in Houston. It was called the league, um, which was a women's group. So women from all over the Houston area came and I met an author there and it was just like, oh my gosh, it was like God sent. So I was just very drawn to her. So I think about maybe a few weeks later after we met, I asked her if she would be willing to meet me at Starbucks for a coffee chat because I really wanted to know more about her and what she did. And it was in that um, that setting and that experience where my book was fully birthed. And she's like, hey, have you thought about writing a book? And I said, no, she gave me her publisher's information. I reached out to her publisher and um, didn't really have the money to pay for, you know, to publish a book mm-hmm. or anything. And I didn't even have a book at the time. So I entered a competition that her publisher was running and I won first place. So I was like, wow, <laughs> that's like it was meant to be. <laughs> yes. Um, so cool. Didn't have a laptop. All I had was a netbook, which I knew my netbook didn't have a word. So I wrote my entire cell phone. I mean, I wrote my entire book on my cell phone. My gosh. (laughs) On a notes app. Yeah, right. But you know what? I think that's incredible because where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. No excuses. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's a plug for everyone out there. If you're thinking about writing a book and you don't have the necessary tools, (laughs) if I could write my book on a cell phone, you could write your book too. Uh, You could even do it old school, get some pen and get Mm -hmm. a pen and paper out and, you know, get to writing, whether it's a paragraph a day, whether it's a page a day, a chapter a day, anything is possible as long as you believe. Um, (laughs) So I love that. I love that because I want to write my own book too. And I'm just like, yes, I need to get started. So that's a really good point. You don't have to do pages and pages a day, write a paragraph, right? Just one page. So and you'll be surprised how it how it adds up. So you can start today, Christy. That's I know. As soon as we get off, I'm gonna write something. (laughs) (laughs) You can write what you learned. I know. So yes, so tell us more. So that um, happened after I won the contest. I didn't, like I said, I didn't have a book. So I really got to writing. So what my writing journey looked like was I would go to work during the day. And then at night when I would come home, I would write for like two hours. So it was like 
Ooh, and every time an incident would happen at work, it was just like kerosene. It was fueling, mm-hmm. you know, fueling the fire. And I was like, okay, good. I could write some more or I got some more creativity. So it was like really a process. And I really took my time, you know, writing the book. It only took me two months because I was very dedicated and I wanted to get it out. Like, because I knew the book had something that somebody needed to hear. Mm-hmm. So um, fast forwarding now we're in now after the book came out, we're entering the whole black lives matter movement. George Floyd died. So at work, there was a meeting that the vice president had called together and he said he pulled together all the people that identified as black or African-American in our supply chain. So I kid you not, it was 30 people or less. And he went around the horn or ran around the table and called on each person. When he got to me, he, he asked me, have I experienced racism? What was the extent of the racism? So I told him my work story, high level. And then I told him, you know, what I've experienced in my own family with two of my nieces and nephews being half Caucasian. And then I have two of my nieces and nephews who are half half Indian. Mm -hmm. And the one example I gave with the niece, my niece and nephew who are half Caucasian was the fact that someone stopped me in the grocery store, Kroger's to be exact, and asked me, ma'am, whose kids are those? As if, like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't be seen with kids that look completely Caucasian, like, you know, brunette hair, blonde, blonde type hair. And I was like, are you serious? And especially with all the things that are going on right now in the world, like, the cops could have easily been called on me because people love to blow things out of proportion. Mm -hmm. Like, why would I just have two random children with me, you know, and they're Mm -hmm. holding my hand. You could see the love there. Yeah. Wow. It's just so disheartening that that stuff, you know, we think we have come a ways, but just to know that it's, it's still so rampant and still so in our faces and we're either looking around it. We don't know how to deal with it. And that's why these conversations are really important. Yeah. So that was my personal situation that I, that I gave along with some other examples. And then I told my work situation, I started with your company in 2013 as an administrative assistant. I have now transitioned to two different professional roles. And here I am seven years later, still being paid as an administrative assistant, but yet I travel for the company I go represent the company to external clients. You know, I get a car service, come to my house to pick me up and take me to the air, to the airport to travel. You know, I stay in the hotels, I get rental cars, I'm Emerald Isle. And I'm like, that's not something a typical administrative assistant does. And I have a company credit card. So <laughs> I was like, can you explain to me why I am considered, you know, an administrative assistant, why I'm paid? paid this way. And then I said some other things. And I kid you not, a week later, my salary increased by 20%. Wow. That is a big jump. So for the past three years of being in my current role, I have been underpaid for 20%. What would have been great is if you could have back paid me Mm -hmm. for all all the time. Yeah, all that time that that I've been doing this role. But now I felt like, okay, you're going to give me 20%. But then I really felt like it was hush money because you mm. want to look good on the paper to your, 
shareholders to show how you are inclusive and diverse, but how are you promoting the minorities? I don't care if they're Black, African-American, Asian, Latino, Latina, whatever. You need to be able to see a secession plan for those minorities within your organization. You have to not only let them be seen, but also let them be heard. Let them Mm -hmm. have a seat at the table and show how they are going from one level to another level, whether it's over time or whether it's suddenly, but you cannot see a Caucasian person excelling, but then you don't see any minorities excelling or anyone on your board that does not look like you. And you want to talk about inclusion and diversity. 100% thank you. Because um, that's what I was going to say. Um, what is, yeah, what does your leadership there look like and your board or however the structure is above you? What does that main management team look like? Are they all Caucasian yeah. men um, typically? So I think that that's so important. And working in the oil and gas field, it's very conservative, very good old boy. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah. <laughs> whenever you like speak up, they're like, oh, she's just aggressive or I've had people before call me the B word. And I was like, that's not professional to call me a bitch. Like, no. Wow. And people have said, Oh, you're, you're aggressive. And I'm like, are you saying I'm aggressive because of my tone and how I'm articulating and getting things done? Because I'm sure if Ashley, Brittany, Sarah, or someone else said it, you guys would say, Oh, that's really good. You're very confident. But since I am a strong African American woman, you want to say that's aggressive. And I feel like that is a form of microaggression, because now you're labeling me. And whenever I get ready to transition out of this department to another one, it's already on my uh, profile or by word of mouth that I'm aggressive. And when people get to meet me, they're already putting their walls up before they even get to know me as an individual. And I was like, we have to stop doing that as society. Because just because someone looks one way outwardly does not mean that's how that person really is. 100%. So obviously, you speaking up in your workplace, um, what you saw that, um, what other shifts have you seen I mean, have you seen them make any other shifts? Like you said, they gave the pay raise so they can look good to their stakeholders, but have they really made any shifts that will count? (laughs) They talked about the things that they were trying to do in the community. But I said, if you really want to make a change in an urban community, don't just throw dollars in that community. Actually go out in the community and see how you can be an impact in the community. There's a lot of um, middle class or uh, or communities that are at a poverty level that need their roads to be repaired, or they need more public transportation. You don't want the public transportation to go out in my areas, the woodlands or Sugarland or whatnot, because you don't want the riffraff to come in. But how are you giving those individuals a fair chance to get outside of their economic status if you aren't giving them the means to an end? Another thing, let's talk about education. Like some some of the students who live in the urban areas, like their parents can't afford, you know, hot spots, laptops, mm-hmm. or netbooks. So if you want those kids to have a fair chance, why don't you 
give some money to the schools. Why don't you have a big brother, big sister program, you know, partner with United Way. You love partnering with United Way, but I only see you going to school districts that are up and up. Why can't we go in the poverty line and really make a difference? Like, and not trying to be super spiritual here, but like, I, you know, I consider myself a Christian. And if you really want to talk about like how you're so good, you need to be the hands of feet of Jesus. Jesus mm-hmm. hung out with, you know, the thieves. He hung out with everyone. No yeah. person was better than another person. And a reminder that we have to remind these leadership, um, the leadership teams are, you know, someone helped you get where you are right now. You didn't get there by yourself. So I'm sure you stood on the shoulders or climbed up someone else's ladder. So why can't you reach your hand out and help someone else that's willing, you know, to put in the work? Yes. And I feel like once certain leadership get up to the top, they forget about the people below them, but it's the people below them that are doing the grunt work to make you look good. Yes. So you you have to think collectively as well as as well as holistically to try to make a change and come together. But I do have a problem whenever I see leadership that won't even acknowledge the people that take out their trash, that won't even acknowledge the people that bring in their catering. And I'm like, but you call yourself a leader. How are you leading with empathy? How are you leading with compassion? How are you showing equality as well as exhibiting, you know, characteristics of equity? I don't see any of that. But you want to talk about how you are so inclusive and diverse whenever your actions aren't really lining up. Wow. I 100% agree with you. Um, So if you had somebody, say you're somebody that is in this situation where you're in this workplace situation and you're dealing with this, like how, what tips would you give them for being able to stand up for themselves? Because it's probably not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. to speak up for yourself, but it's necessary. What kind of, what tips and advice would you give? I would definitely tell them uh, the first thing is to do their research. Like if they feel like they have been slighted in any way, like go out to the internet and research your position and see what other companies are are paying. Um, you could research your benefits too. And there's a lot of things out there that you could use Glassdoor, Indeed, LinkedIn, um, Network. And then you could also shop yourself around in the market, like put your resume out there. And if someone bites and grab it and they offer you something, you could always take that back and say, this is what this company is willing to pay me. This is what you are paying me. So obviously I am an asset in the industry and someone is willing, you know, to willing to give me a chance. So either you are going to match this or I'm either going to have to, you know, take a leap. And, you know, another tip I would tell people is be unapologetically you. So many times people place limitations on us because they see the potential that you have, but they're afraid to let you shine because they don't want you to outshine them. And I would say that's not your problem, that's their problem, because that's some type of insecurity that is rooted deep down inside of them. Mm -hmm. Another thing is 
don't be afraid to speak up because I always like to tell the younger people or the millennials, because I'm so millennial, (laughs) closed mouths don't get fed. Meaning if you never open your mouth and say anything, how are people going to know what you're thinking, what you want and what you need? And I was like, we're all given a mouth for a reason. So we need to use it. Of course, you're going to pick your battles. And whenever you speak, make sure you speak eloquently. So people know, okay, she really means business. She's articulate. She's smart. She's intelligent. Or he, because it's not just about women. He too. Mm -hmm. And um, I would definitely give those tips. Another tip um, I have are my three R's, refuel, refocus, and realign, you have to refuel yourself so you don't get to the point of where you're burnt out. And that means we're so busy as women, and I'm going to get to the men too. Women are so given by nature that we pour out any and everything into everyone else. But when it comes time to building ourselves up, we only give ourselves a short little fuse. When in reality, they tell you on the airplane, put on your mask first before you assist someone else. So we have to practice self-care, whether that's taking some time out to get our nails done, whether it's watching a movie, taking a bubble bath, reading a book, or something that we like to do that is what is going to help us. Refocus is helping you, you know, know what your passion is, know what your purpose is, because when you refocus on what you want and who you are instead of what someone wants you to be, that is where you start to regain the power and you're building yourself up mentally, physically, and emotionally by refocusing on what really matters to you. Not what society looks like, not what your family says, not what your friends say, but you. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) And realignment. Here's my analogy. It's going to be a car analogy. So we all drive a vehicle, right? And whenever we get our oil change, what do they tell us to do with our tires? Oh, get them rotated and rotate it, balance and realign. Yeah. Because if you don't align your tires, your car is either going to pull to the left or pull to the right. But whenever your car is in realignment, it allows your car to drive straight. Your tires are going to last longer and et cetera. So we have to realign ourselves, our internal self, as well as externally. And that comes with having a balance. Because if we're so busy being pulled in every which way, then how are we really going to know where where the rubber meets the road and where we need to really channel our energy and go because we're pulled to the left, we're pulled to the right. And we really can't even decipher, okay, what's right, what's wrong. Wow. That's so important that you brought that up because that's true. I like that you have, it's like you have that center, that center line to return to almost. Mm -hmm. Um, So now on the flip side, I'm going to touch back what you were talking on about your leadership, what would you say to leadership that we you touched on already how important it is to make sure that you're including everybody, like down to, like you said, the people that are, you know, cleaning, the janitor that are taking out the trash. Yes. Are you including those people? Are you making them feel valued? Are you seeing, just seeing them? Sometimes that's all somebody wants to do is just to be seen for what they're doing and being, you know, valued for that. So on the flip side, what would you tell leadership um, to bring more diversity and inclusion in? 
I would definitely encourage leadership to recruit at all schools, not just your A&Ms, your Purdue's, your UT's, but recruit at HBCU's, recruit at schools where minorities go. And I feel like in oil and gas, sometimes they don't always recruit at certain HBCU's. And I'm like, the degree plan is the same. And I'll give an example, A&M University and Prayer View University, they're under the same umbrella. Prayer View is predominantly African-American. A&M, you know, their population is white and a few Asians, Hispanics or whatever, but they'll hire an A&M graduate over a Prayer View graduate. But I'm like, don't they both have an engineering degree? They're they're still under the A&M umbrella. So why are you just recruiting from one school or not another? Another thing I would encourage leadership to do is say thank you. Like, it's not hard to show gratitude, acts of kindness, or appreciation, or even say good morning. Like, you know, good morning can make a huge difference to someone. Someone could be having a bad day, but because you opened your mouth and said good morning, they're like, oh, he noticed me or she noticed me. They cared enough to say good morning. Or just have a a small little coffee chat. You don't have to do a whole bunch of extravagant things, but it's Mm -hmm. the small things that can make a huge difference. I completely agree. Another thing I would say with leadership, like whenever they encourage their employees to volunteer um, at different nonprofits, whether it's Junior Achievement, United Way, or any nonprofit that they partner with, are you actually you know, volunteering and putting a team together where your subordinates could see you actually making an impact in the community. Don't just talk about volunteering, but we actually want to see you pick up a piece of wood, you know, build that home. Let's, yeah, let's get Habitat for Humanity. That's great. But where are you contributing? Sure, you could chunk some dollars, but that's because you don't want to get your hands and feet dirty, but you want everyone else to get their hands and feet dirty. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, Money, money comes and goes like no amount of money can really bring happiness or anything like that. We need to see you. We need you to be present in the moment. That's such an important reminder. I love that you bring out um, like be a leader, be, you know, be what you're asking your people to do or what you're asking others to do. Like you said, you're asking them to be out there instead of throwing money out there, be out there alongside them. They want to see their leader or, you know, at least in my case, like I would want to see my leader out there beside me. Plus it would make, it seems like it would just make them, I don't know, more, just more connected. I would seem. I think personable too. And then you could always say, if there's anything you um, you want to talk about my door is open, whether it's their physical door or virtual door, but make it to where you're accessible and not to where you're so busy, busy, busy. Because so many times these leaders are like, oh, talk to my admin, talk to my secretary or whatever. But sometimes your secretary could only do so much. We need to talk to you. We need you to come to the meetings. We need you to listen to what is going on in the company. That is so important. Yeah, because you're right, especially when you start getting really high up and probably some of the really big companies. Yeah, they do have their, you know, admins, assistants and all of that doing those things for them. So that's really important. Be visible, be visible, be available, be approachable. Yeah. Just 
spiel kein Human. <laughs> yes, even if you have to make a video, don't like you know one thing I hate is like whenever something happens, like you know the admin or whatever they'll type what the president or vice president wants to say and they'll put it on the company letterhead but why can't you just get in front of your eye your iphone or make a quick zoom video and tell mm -hmm. us like what you think about it what your plans are how it relates to you if it's impacting you or your family or your stance on what you're going to do to improve the situation and make a video and put it out because that will be so much more personable than right. sending a freaking letter because everyone knows you didn't write that letter. We know <laughs> that you gave that information to your administrative assistant or your secretary or whatever. That's a genius idea. So if you have anybody listening that's in leadership, that's just a great way to connect I feel like is a lot of this information in your book too? Is the book more like your personal journey or do you kind of uh, weave it throughout again with like a lot of these tips that you're sharing with us? It's more mainly my personal journey. And then I do have my three R's that's in the book. And then I have a section in my book um, called reflection quotes. So quotes mm -hmm. I put in there that I want people to reflect on. And then there's some blank pages towards the end where they could write down how those quotes, but, spoke to them. And then there's a discovery exercise that I put in my book that says, who am I? And I talk about who Genesis is, but I want you to do your own who am I? So who is Christy? And write down all the things you are and all the ways that you are making an impact and how you feel like you're exercising your purpose here on earth. I love that. I um, love books that have that component of it too, where it brings in um a component where you can examine yourself as well and kind of compare, you know, where in this, where in this story am I resonating? What do I need to look at? All of those different pieces. So really excited for that. So do you, um, do you want to tell us where we can find you and connect with you and grab your book from? Yes. So I'm on Facebook as Genesis and that's G E N E S I S. Middle name Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, last name Kemp, K-E-M-P. I have an author page as well. It's called Chocolate Drop in Corporate America. And you guys can always reach me on um, via email. So it's genesisamariskemp at gmail.com. I don't have assistant, so I answer all my emails. And I love to hear feedback because I think feedback is a gift. That's how we're going to improve. My book is available on Amazon in paperback for $13. So the price you pay for a fast food meal at Chick-fil-A or two coffees at Starbucks. <laughs> right. And I have a Kindle version as well for okay. $2.99 on Amazon. And then if you have Kindle Unlimited, you could get the book of that way as well. Oh, wow. And my book is sold on some other websites too. I'm on Goodreads. I'm trying to get on BookBub. And I'm really trying to get my book into some brick and mortar stores like Walmart, Target. Yes. How I'm working on that. So y'all say a prayer for me. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. How exciting would that be? That needs to be on the shelves personally, I think. <laughs> Thank you. So, so do you want to, is there any closing thoughts or anything that you want to add that we haven't touched on or that you wanted to um, bring up at all? 
Sure. So I definitely want to encourage all the listeners out there is to take a moment today or whenever you listen to this replay to reflect on who you are, reflect on, are you walking out your purpose, what you were placed on this earth to do? And if you're not sure what your purpose is, What are you passionate about? The thing that you can do without getting paid, where you could turn your passion into monetary gain. I also want to encourage you is, if someone were to flash your life up on a projector, would you be happy with what you see on the screen? And if not, you definitely need to do some self-reflection and change the narrative. I also want to encourage you to never let anyone or anything put limitations on you or keep you in a box. Like we spend our whole life here on earth. And when we die, we're either going to be cremated or go in a box. So do you want to live boxed in while you're able to have your freedom here on earth? Wow, that's powerful. And my last point is, think about that time when you lost a loved one and you went to that cemetery, you saw a bunch of headstones, right? And those headstones could be a visual representation of dreams. I tell people dreams are in the graveyard because if you never really ignite what you were put here on earth to do, then you're going to die with your dreams because you let fear, false evidence appearing real, grip you that you never took that leap of faith. You never, you know, stepped outside of your comfort zone because you were afraid of what people would think or say about you. But the sky is the limit. So don't let your dreams be in that graveyard that you pass by. Thank you so much for for sharing that. Like I said, that was really powerful. I almost feel like I needed to um, hear that too. Like um, discomfort or what is it? I think it's comfort and growth can't coexist together. So You want to let yourself get a little uncomfortable and see all the possibilities and the beauty that life has to bring. And like you said, don't let those dreams die die in the graveyard. Super powerful. So Genesis, I want to thank you so, so much for being on today and for everything that you shared with us. You gave us so much good information and um, I appreciate you just sharing your story from the heart. Um, Like you said, we all are being more awakened to what's going on uh, in our world. And like you said, these topics are important right now because I know myself, I can often get stuck in the, well, what, what can I do to help? What, um, you know, all of that stuff. So I think having these conversations is important, exploring your own um, ways that you feel about diversity and inclusion and watching your own behaviors and actions and just being aware of it. I think that that's important. So educate, 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 and ask questions when you're not aware and surround yourself with not only people that look like you, but people who don't necessarily look like you. So we can continue to grow and become a better society. Yes. Thank you so much, Genesis. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and 
leave a review, and I will see you next time.